<clears throat> one of the less attractive beliefs flooding contemporary Christianity is the belief that being a reluctant servant is somehow a virtue. It is the belief that if God wants something done, hopefully God will call on someone other than me. The patron saint of this attitude is that character Jonah in the Old Testament. You remember the story even if you only remember the stuff about the big fish. Jonah was given a mission by God to preach to Gentiles, to the people of Nineveh. But Jonah the reluctant servant decided it was a time for a vacation to visit sunny Spain. But God got his attention. There was a shipwreck, and then there was that big fish. And then God spoke to Jonah a second time. Jonah finally agreed. So he went to Nineveh, and get this, he preached an eight-word sermon. And the whole community believed him. This is an illustration of the idea that God exists for us rather than we exist for God. The notion that God exists to do what we want God to do rather than our existing to do what God wants us to do. One of the curious facts about each one of us is not what we believe or don't believe about God. Rather, it is what we believe or don't believe about ourselves. And Jesus put a new twist on this in the gospel reading this morning. And before I go any further, the gospel reading has absolutely nothing to do with what's going on in the Congress about taxes. <laughs> now just get that out of your mind. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a man going abroad who called his household together before his departure and handed them his property to manage according to their respective abilities. This does not mean that God is not fair. It simply means that everyone has been given something and from each of us something will be required. If you believe in God, you have to believe in a God who expects something from us. And the story is about the kingdom of heaven, not about taxes. It's about those who will enter the kingdom <clears throat> and about those who will be refused admission because of the choices they make. God does not automatically haul everyone into heaven by the head of their hair or by the scruff of their necks. Heaven is our decision. And there's little doubt as to where Jesus places the spotlight of emphasis in this story. It's clearly upon the one who was given the one talent and did nothing protective, productive with it. When the accounting took place upon the master's return, we are unprepared for the thunderous reply, you wicked and lazy servant. You should have used what I gave to you, but because you didn't, I take it away 
and give it to those who will. And he thunders on, as for this good for nothing, throw him into the darkness where he will be lost forever. Does this mean that God is not merciful or that God is unfair? No, it only means that God gives to each one of us the opportunity to prove ourselves according to our respective abilities and the time allotted to us. God is accustomed to working wonders, almost miracles, when little one-talented people who have enough faith in God and in themselves to do something significant. If you tear off the halos of the heroes and saints of the past, you will find that the majority of them were one-talent folks. Moses had blood on his hands. Mary had one talent. She said yes. James and John tried badgering Jesus to give them a position of authority and power, but all they had to do was follow. Paul was an unimpressive little man determined to persecute every Christian that crossed his crosshairs. Aquinas only had one talent. What the truth has spoken, that for truth I hold. Stand them up without their halos, and we see them as one talent little people whom God took and twisted their talent into something incredibly significant. So the choice before us, my friends, is the choice of being reluctant servants or servants of faith that take risks. In 1876, a 10-year-old little girl named Annie was put into a poorhouse for children. Her mother was dead, her father disappeared, and aunt and uncle tried, but they could not take care of her. She had a bad disposition, a violent temper, painful eye infections. She was practically blind. No one wanted her. She was such a wild one that at times she had to be tied down. Living in the same home was another child named Maggie who took a liking to Annie. Maggie would talk to her feed her, even though Annie would sometimes throw her food on the floor. Maggie was determined to love that dirty, unkept, spiteful, unloving little girl. It was not easy. But over the years, it slowly got through to Annie that she was not the only one who was suffering. In the course of time, Maggie told Annie about a school for the blind. She enrolled and the school managed to have her undergo a series of operations that restored her sight partially. Having been blind for so long, she announced to the world that she wanted to work with blind and difficult children. So Annie, a one-talent person, 
went to Alabama to unlock the doors of Helen Keller's dark prison and to set her free. God's biggest problem is not with the big 10 talent folks. For one thing, there are only a small number of them in the whole world. For this, we should be thankful. God's biggest problem is with the majority, with us one talent types who have swallowed the propaganda that no matter what we do, it will not make a difference. Maybe the reason we have saints like Annie is to remind us that we do not have to swallow the propaganda. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.